following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Amen. Give God a praise this morning. Awesome. Awesome. Fourth and fifth graders, you are dismissed. You may leave our presence for the moment. And as the fourth and fifth graders are leaving, if you would, um, open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Eric, you can go ahead and get me started there. We're going to talk about um, essentially what's going on with some guys in the Old Testament. And we've been talking about the Powerhouse series, essentially traveling um, the first five books of the Old Testament called the Law or the Pentateuch, if you're a biblical scholar. And we've been walking through what uh, these guys do and what their lives are all about and how great men of faith followed the living God. And as we get here this morning, we understand uh, that many of us have faith in many things. For example, uh, those of you who drove a car this morning with over 100,000 miles on it, you probably put some faith in your car that it would make it here this morning. Amen? All right, all right. So some of you have faith in some things like that. Others of you, you walked into this sanctuary. I didn't see anybody doing it, uh, but you put your faith in the pew that you are sitting on currently. And let me tell you something, that is something really to put your faith into because those are some old pews. Amen? (laughs) Okay? But you put your faith in some things every single day. We all do it, don't we? We all put our faith in some things every single day. And it's interesting when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, we think uh, that we don't have any faith. We think that we don't do any things that uh, cause us to have any faith. And we would see that we are putting our faith in things every single day that are worldly. But are we putting something, our faith, into something that is eternal? Hebrews is going to give us a little bit of an idea of what this looks like this morning. See, because we understand that faith is only as good as the object you put your faith into or the thing in which you put your faith into. So we would say the pews, they're going to deteriorate. Sadly, your car, it's going to deteriorate. But our Savior, amen, hallelujah, is never going to deteriorate, right? He is going to be with us forever and ever, and we will be with him forever and ever when we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that he is Lord, the Messiah. We put our faith in something that is eternal, we go into Hebrews chapter 11 and we see that there are some men who are going to put their faith into this living God. We're going to see Abel here, we're going to see Enoch here, and we're going to see Noah. Some of those guys you might know, some of those guys you might not know. We'll show you kind of some of their character traits as we continue here together. The thing that you need to know before we start is all of these men demonstrated great faith. The author of Hebrews, while it remains a mystery to us who that is, we understand that in chapter 11, the author is showing us who people were that lived great faith, and as Becky prayed, it is possible for us to live the exact same way. Sometimes we look at the Old Testament characters, we look at the New Testament characters, and we think there's no way, God, that I could live like that. And God says, yes, there is. There is a way that you can live like that, and that has to start with faith. So faith leads these men to worship, 
to walk and to work that would honor the Lord God. It drew them into a closer walk with him. It's an example to follow because it brings a deeper faith in trust and cements the faith that we have. These guys got it. The question is, do we? So before we look at some of these men, let's first of all define what faith is. What are we talking about when we talk about faith? So the first thing, if you're tracking with me here this morning is, let's define faith and then we'll look at those three guys. Go to the passage in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, some of you, this is going to be on the screen. I would still encourage you to have your Bibles open because I want you to underline this. Contrary to popular belief, you can underline things in your Bible. If your neighbor's not okay with it, just move a little farther away from them. <laughs> Number one. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the first part of the definition. If you're underlining things in your Bible, it would be the assurance of things hoped for. The Bible very clearly defines things for us and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, people of the old, the Old Testament is what he's talking about, the people who lived before us received their, uh, say it, one more time, I can't hear you. Okay, so in other words, they were praised for it, okay? They were praised for having that ability to look upon that which they could not see and they hoped for and it convicted them er, internally. Three, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what? So that what? What is seen, sorry, was not made out of things that were visible. In other words, God spoke it We believe that it happened and it came into existence, okay? So, tracking with that, the writer of Hebrews says, what faith is, is which you should have underlined, a substance of things hoped for, and two, evidence of things not seen. If we understand that that is the definition of faith, okay? Faith, first and foremost, does not manipulate God to get what we want. So, when we look at the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the first thing that we see is faith does not manipulate God into getting what we don't have. All of the men that we are about to study, all of the guys in Scripture that we have previously studied, never used their faith as a manipulation to get what they wanted. If you are using your faith in God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ to get what you don't have, you are not living in a true faith. You are not putting your substance of things hoped for in the evidence of things not seen. We never manipulate God. We trust God. We put our faith in God. We understand that his ways are not our ways. And as he does things his way, we believe that his way is better than our way. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God's way is better than your way? Do you believe that God's way is going to look a little di- different than your way? <laughs> I just saw a drawing uh, just this morning on Facebook. This guy put, this is what it looks like to man. And he drew a little arrow, um, a little line that went from here to here. And it was a straight line. It was a little bit of an incline on it. It had a little stick figure here and then a finish line here and a little stick figure here. He says, this is what man thinks faith looks like. And then underneath of it, this is what God sees. And there was a couple of hills in there. There's a little creek with a nice little bridge. There was a little monkey swinging from a tree. I'm not sure what he was doing. Okay, and then all of a sudden there's another incline and then boom, right back down and all the way. And then here's the finish line, right? That's what it feels like to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ sometimes. Amen, church? Okay, so, but we don't manipulate God. 
We don't manipulate them. Second thing that it doesn't do is faith is not a belief set. Okay? The Pharisees got this wrong in the New Testament. They thought that their faith was a belief set. In other words, if I have all my stuff lined up, then obviously I have great faith. God says, listen, let's just be honest. Look at your spouse and say, I don't have it all together. <laughs> right? And she will validate that for you, or he will validate that for you, wherever you're sitting at this morning, okay? It doesn't mean that we have everything all set up and structured together. The guys that we're going to talk about here this morning, they didn't have it all figured out. They just followed God. They looked at the substance of their lives and the things that they hoped for, which they would have a historical and an eternal purpose, but also they understood that it was evidence of that that they could not see. God existed. He was around them. He was working for them. As Romans says, he was working for the good of those who love them. They believed that to be true. And so what they did was they understood the more they walked, the more their beliefs were cemented because they could trust God. And you can do that too as well. We can trust God and we can have a good set of doctrines based off of our faith. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 says, I know whom I have believed. And so faith is something we trust in as a person, which would be Jesus Christ, and not necessarily our practices. Why would we not trust our practices? I'm always going to do something that's going to go wrong, right? I mean, if you're sitting next to your spouse, just ask them, what's the last thing I did that was wrong? And they'll tell you very clearly what you did that was wrong. Then they'll give you the solution on how you can get that wrong to be righted, <laughs> right? And God's not like this. God doesn't look at you like this. God doesn't say, hey, you did a wrong, and so therefore, because you did a wrong, you have to do a right. There's no works-based system to get to God. God says, you are completely messed up. You are all over the place. You tried to manipulate me a long time ago, but here's what happened. I died on the cross for your sins, past, present, and future, so that you would put your faith and trust in me, which is eternal, because I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. My ways are going to be better than your ways. Do you trust that? Do you trust that your belief set is going to continue to be cemented the more you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ in all areas of your life? Not your practices, but your Savior. Are you trusting in your practices or are you trusting in your Savior? Think about that this morning. Am I trusting in what I do, my belief set, and what I do? A belief set is what I do in order to have great faith. Am I trusting that God really, truly says I don't have to have it all together to come to him. Third thing, faith isn't a blind leap though. But Jordan, I don't have it all figured out. Like I'm trying to do um, the things that I'm supposed to do. I'm trying to live in obedience to the living God. I'm trying to put my faith and my trust in him. I'm trying not to manipulate him. I'm trying not to, you know, have some of these practices that are causing me to go astray. I, but sometimes it feels like I'm just leaping out here, you know, like I'm just trusting in some stuff. Well, you did the same thing this morning with your pew. You came in and you sat down and you just said, okay, here we go. Let's see if this thing works. You'll never sit in these pews ever again the same way, by the way. Okay. And you came in, you sat down, and you said, okay, I'm just going to believe and trust this thing is going to catch me. It wasn't a blind leap. It was, it was known to be true because you could see the legs that were sitting there. You could see there were some other people that were sitting there. And some of you guys looked at those other people and you kind of lined them up and you're like, yeah, they look like somebody that could be supported. Maybe I can be supported too. And so you trusted based off of some things which is why the writer of Hebrews gives us some examples and why the Bible gives us the Old Testament. Some examples for us to follow to know that trusting in Jesus Christ through faith to establish and build our trust is not a blind leap. 
He says, these are some examples for you to follow. There have been people who have gone in the past before you so that you can know that I am for you. That I have your best in mind. That yes, it's going to be a rough, rocky road, but at the end of it, it will be worth it. See, it's not a blind leap. It's not a jump off a cliff. We don't just have faith and act like it will work out. We take faith at its word and trust that when we lean upon the word of the Lord, it will hold us secure. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that? Faith is a devotion to whatever we follow. My question for you this morning is, what are you following? (laughs) A three-year-old boy went uh, down to uh, the seashore. We don't have a seashore here, so I'm going to change the story a little bit so it's more applicable to your life. You okay with that? A three-year-old boy went with his dad over to Jane's Park to fly a kite. (laughs) Jane's Park is right in Bremen. It's a big open field, and this happens all the time. A three-year-old boy sitting with his dad, and his dad says, the kite will fly, the kite will fly, the kite will fly, I promise. The little boy, he doubts a little bit, doesn't he? As all of us do. I mean, he looks outside, and he thinks to himself, how is this contraption going to go up in the air? Which I think the same thing about airplanes, amen? How does a big old tub of steel go up in the air? And then when I'm in a big city, I see it fly over my head, and I go, God, I love you so much. Please let that airplane just keep on flying. Amen? Anybody ever been in that boat? All right, so this little kid, he's out there. He's going to fly a kite. Never done this before. He has doubts that the father assures him all's going to go well. Everything's going to go as planned. He unravels the string, and he watches the kite go up, and all of a sudden it goes up and up and up, 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 up and away, and he looks at it, and he goes, Dad. Dad goes, yes, son. I knew it. He says, how did you know it was going to fly? He said, because you said it was going to fly. Isn't it amazing? His faith and trust in his father. He looks at his father and he trusts what his father says. He trusts that his father says this thing and it will go this way. Isn't it amazing that in our relationship with Jesus Christ, it is the same way? The kite is the Bible. And we look at the Bible sometimes and we think to ourselves, man, I wonder if I could use that in my everyday life to manipulate God to get what I want and take all these verses out of context. I wonder if I could build a little belief set off of the things that I do so that God would love me just a little bit more. And then when we do those things, we take a blind leap and we say, oh yeah, this is going to happen. And we look at God and we say, God, how come the kite didn't fly? And he goes, because, moron, there's no wind and I am the wind. Right? Because you had no trust in me. You put no faith in what I said. You put no faith in the fact that there was and obedience to doing that which you did not know. And so we take the Bible, and we look at it, and we understand that we have to essentially live it out, be the hands and feet of Jesus, trusting in faith that his ways will be greater than our ways. Why? Go back to the definition that I gave you. Because true faith is confident obedience to God's word, in spite of the circumstances or the consequences. Faith is a trust described in the ways that I already told you. Number one, it is the substance of things that are hoped for. What's he talking about there? What does he mean? What does the writer of Hebrews mean when he says it's the substance of things hoped for? Substance in the Greek means to stand under or support. So the substance that the writer of Hebrews is talking about is a foundation that gives us believers confident to stand whatever the circumstance is going on. Got a rough marriage, got a rough time at work, got a rough job, got a rough kid, amen, right? Substance is the things that are hoped for, meaning God is standing under us, supporting us, asking us to believe him that the the kite will fly. 
God, do you really know what you're doing? Yes, I know what I'm doing. Are you sure? It doesn't feel like there's any wind out here. It doesn't feel like there's anything happening out here. It doesn't feel like you're with me. It doesn't feel like you're there. Because let me tell you something, love is not a feeling. God's love for you is not a feeling in regards to our culture would dictate. God's love is an action towards us, seeking our best so that we would lean back on Him and trust Him and understand that He is the supporting structure underneath everything that we are doing. He looks at us and says, I want you to believe that I will support you in whatever your endeavor is. But make sure your endeavor is to follow willingly in obedience to me. Because God doesn't bless things that are not in obedience to him. All of the people that we will talk about here, all of the people that we have already talked about, are doing the will of the Lord. They're putting their faith and trust in their obedience to God, understanding that, they will, that he will support them. And sometimes I think we look at God and we say, God, can you support me in disobedience? <laughs> he says, no, I can't support you in disobedience. Are you crazy? And you're like, why? Why would you support me in disobedience, God? I mean, it's fun out there. I don't think you understand how awesome it is to be out on a Friday night. And I don't think you understand how awesome it is to wake up on Saturday all hungover. And he's like, did you hear what you just said? He says, because my ways will guard you. We were talking about it uh, just a little bit ago. God essentially gives us the keys to the car. He says, I want you to go, and I want you to enjoy this, and I want you to have fun with this. He says, but understand, you have to stay in the limits of the law. And some of us look at it, and we look at the limits of the law, and we say, but that's not fair. He says, but understand, those laws were put into place so that you would be safe. God says, I want to sustain you. I want to hold you. And while you don't always trust me, I want you to put your faith in me that my ways are greater than your ways, that I am the support, the structure of those things in which we hope for. And then he says, it's also in the evidence of things not seen, which is the definition of our faith. The word describing faith is translated evidence, which means conviction. And God convicts us, doesn't he? Oh, bummer. (laughs) But he does. He totally convicts us. When we try to get God to support the things that are not of him, we get conviction because we have the Holy Spirit that's living inside of us. When we try to manipulate God, when we try to build our own belief set or our own work structure, when we try to take a blind leap, all of a sudden we become convicted. And we think to ourselves, why am I so convicted? And God says, you are convicted because you're building essentially a straw man. You're building essentially your hope that I will catch you when you're doing things that are in complete disobedience to me. How do we know this? Because faith is an inward conviction. It's the evidence that we have from God that pushes us to believe all things that are revealed by his word and his ways. My ways are better than your ways, God says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My actions are not your actions. I want you to trust that these are good. And so, revealed through God's promises by his son Jesus, he says, though you have not seen him, you love him. The Bible says, though you have not seen him. We've never really seen Jesus face to face. But we've seen him in the works. We've seen him in the actions. We've seen him in the ways that it has been manifested or made known to us in the scriptures. We see it in the testimonies of the lives of people. Look at where I put my faith in myself and what happened. And look at where I put my faith and trust in God and look what happened. 
God will never disappoint us in that regard. So faith is, if we were to define this, faith means that God is standing under us, supporting us. Even though we have not seen him, he gives us evidence over the fact that he is there with us. And we know that this is true because of what his word says to us. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So how does that play out? How does that play out? Well, here we have our three characters. Here we have our three characters. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 4 through 7, it says this. It shows you three guys who are going to show you how they put their faith in God that he would hold them up and sustain them in an act of obedience while they could not see him that he was actively working in their lives in a couple of areas. By faith, Abel, our first one, offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. That's a long story. We're not going to go into that this morning, but you can read that in the Old Testament. Through which he was commended as righteous. God offers a, or excuse me, Abel's going to offer a sacrifice uh, up to God, and it's going to be more acceptable, exactly what the Bible says, than Cain, and through which he was commended as righteous, and God commending him by accepting his gifts. God says, yes, this is a good thing. I accept your gifts. I understand it. This is an act. If you are underlining things or writing things in your Bible, this is an act of worship. This is an act of worship. Abel offering God a sacrifice is an act of worship. He's our first one. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. In other words, the Bible is still speaking to us through his testimony or his example, which gives us something to hope for, to put our faith and trust in. Now, look at the second one. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had not taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Because he walked with God. Look at Abel worships God because he knows that God sustains him and holds him up. He knows that God is working and moving in his life. Enoch, he walks with God in a daily, everyday obedience. And he is commended for that because he pleased God. And without faith, verse 6, it is impossible to please God. In other words, if this wouldn't have happened, it wouldn't have come true. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Verse 7, our third one. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark. Noah cracks me up. I can't imagine what that was like. Noah, go build an ark. Surely somebody else on this world could build you. Saving of his household, by this he was commended, and the world became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Let's still go back and look at these individually. And we'll see how this plays out in your everyday life. <clears throat> First thing, look at Abel. Abel's faith causes him to worship God. My question for you this morning is the same thing. The faith that you have in God through his son Jesus Christ that died on the cross, regardless of the situation that you're in, regardless of the problem that you're facing, regardless of the outcome of maybe a decision that you made, Abel's faith causes him to worship God knowing and trusting that he is the sustainer of all things. By faith, Abel offered to God. Circle that word, offered. Notice it was an action on his part to worship God. More acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as being righteous for that. We don't know the details of Abel's faith, but we do know that faith caused him to worship through sacrifice. And faith will cost you something. It will always cost you something. 
When you put your faith in God, it's going to cost you sometimes your friendships. It may cost you your business. It may cost you some family members. When I put my faith and trust in God, and understand that as I'm obediently following diligently His will, making sure that I am obedient, loving Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I understand it's going to cost me some stuff. That's no fun. It's a sacrifice, Romans chapter 12. You present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, understanding that the things of the world will start to fade away. And Abel understands this, and he still worships God. And he says, God, even though the world is going to fade away and things are going to look a little different than they did before, now that I'm putting my faith and my trust in you, I understand, God, that you're still in control and you're still working for the good of those who love you. Where are you at in your situation? What's your problem? What's your issue? What's, what's, what's eating at you? What's, what's, what's causing you to worship? Or let's take it another step further. What's causing you not to worship? Abel has an action of worship because of the sacrifice he has given in placing his faith and trust in his God. Number two, <clears throat> Enoch's faith causes him to walk with God. I wish they would have put Enoch first in the Bible, but I didn't write the Bible, thank God. And so Enoch, I wish would come first, because I, I get this. Like, it should be walking and then worshiping. I, I understand that. And I don't know why the, the author of the text put worship first. I'll ask him when I get to heaven, and he'll be right, and I'll be wrong. So I'm okay with that. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And he was found because God had taken him. A lot of you guys know the story. You understand the story. Um, what happens in the Old Testament is Enoch starts to walk with God, and as he's walking with God, what we have in our minds is a picture of him literally walking with God, and then all of a sudden God just takes him away, and he's no longer, and people go, whoa, there's a disappearing act. That's amazing. But what we don't understand about Enoch is something that the Bible talks about in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. It says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, that Enoch did not always walk with God until a radical change came after the birth of his son. So he had a kid, and then all of a sudden his faith started to change, and he started to walk with God. His faith pushed him to be continually in the presence of the Lord and in constant communication and obedience that please God. He has a kid, and he realizes his life has changed. How many of us have been there before? <laughs> We're sitting in the dark, you're like, oh, it's so much fun sitting and talking to somebody, especially a young couple who's about to have their first child, and they give us all of the things that are going to happen in their life when they have this kid, and they're completely wrong, and we don't spoil it for them, right? We don't tell them they're wrong. We look at them and go, oh, that's, that's neat, awesome. We're like, oh, yeah, we're still going to go out past 9 o'clock. It's going to be so much fun, and we're going. <laughs> they're like, and, and it's going to be awesome. We're still going to be so in love. We're not going to have any problems. We're just going to love each other. That kid's not going to cry at all, and you're like, neat. <laughs> And then all of a sudden the kid comes out, right? And you got this little baby and you see him at church the first week of their having their kid and oh man, so hard. We haven't talked to each other all week. I'm only slept like <laughs> only slept like two minutes of the whole entire day, and you're like, neat. I see what Enoch's going through. Notice Enoch's on his own path, and then all of a sudden he has a kid and his path is changed. 
changed, excuse me. And all of a sudden, his, his life looks a little bit different. And he probably thinks what all of us thought. He thought, oh, what am I supposed to do with this baby? He says, God, help me. <laughs> right? And here comes God, and he walks with him. And he shows him some things that he doesn't know. And he talks with him, and he speaks with him. And Enoch does walk with God until he was no more. He doesn't experience death in the way that we experience death. He was taken up before he had to experience death. Why he got chose, I have no idea. But I love what the Bible tells us is he turned from his old ways and he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ in his new ways. And so what happens is it causes him to not only worship God like Abel, but also Enoch's faith causes him to walk. And so it should be with us. If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if we're constantly in his word and studying his ways and walking in the way he wants us to walk, we're turning from ourselves, understanding there's going to be a sacrifice in those things. And it causes us not only to walk a little bit different in the world to question what's going on in our lives, but it causes us to worship as well. And the world will look at us and they will say, you're different and you think different and you act different and you talk different and there's something different about you. And, and why is there something different about you? And the only substance that we have for the reason in which we're still alive, is Jesus Christ. And the only reason that we believe that he is holding us up is because we see the evidence in all of our life, don't we? We look back and we say, hey, listen, the only reason I'm still alive here today is because God is gracious and faithful. The only reason that I, I still exist, I didn't think I'd see 18, then 21 came, didn't see, I'd see 21, and now I'm, I'm past 30, and I'm going, God is good. God is good all the time. Why? Because I put my faith and my trust in him because of his son, Jesus Christ. And even though I never saw him, I love him because his ways are better than my ways. Third, third person, Noah's faith causes him to work for God. Watch how Noah's life is completely radically changed. By faith, Noah moved with godly fear. And I believe Noah had both the things that Enoch and Abel had. I believe he worshiped God. I believe that he walked with God. And he was moved with God, godly fear when he started to prepare the ark. Circle the word godly fear in your Bibles. Godly fear means that Abel had a healthy fear of God. He had a healthy fear of who he was, and he knew that if he did not do what God told him to do, his life would be miserable. It would be incomplete. And so he prepares the ark for saving of his household, and he became the heir of righteousness, which is according to his faith. He trusted that God's ways were not his ways. Noah stood alone against the whole world and built the ark because he believed God in faith. And the whole world doubted while Noah worked for the Lord in a proper witness. What about you and your work? Are you working for the Lord? Are you walking with the Lord? Are you worshiping the Lord? One night a house caught fire. A young boy, he goes to the roof. He's standing on the roof and the house is on fire and the rest of the family found its way out. The father, he's on the ground, and he's got outstretched arms, and he's yelling at the kid. He says, jump, jump, I'll catch you, jump, I'll catch you. And there's sirens there, and there's uh, all the firefighters are there. And, and this is massive, ugly scene where the house is just being completely engulfed in flames. This little kid, he's, he's, he's standing there, and he's just so confused. And the father's down there. He says, jump, jump, I'll catch you. I promise I'll catch you. The boy had to jump to save his life. But all the boy could see was fire and blackness. And so he's afraid to leave the roof. His father keeps yelling at him. He says, jump, jump, jump. I'll catch you. And the boy protested. And he looked back at his dad. And he says, yes, but dad, I can't see you. 
can't see you. I don't know if you're there. I hear you. I hear your voice. It's very clear. I understand that voice. It's very, it's very similar to things I've heard in the past, but I can't see you. And the father replies back to him, yeah, but I can see you, and that's all that matters. What an interesting parallel in our life with what you're facing right now, with the difficult areas in your life. What an interesting parallel for us who get in these momentary times where we start to freak out a little bit. And we think to ourselves, oh my goodness, I've walked with God and I've worshipped God and I love God and I think he's really awesome, but right now I don't think God is here. I don't think he loves me. I don't think he cares for me. I don't think he has my best intention. I don't think God even knows that I exist. And we are the children on top of the roof. And we're throwing a temper tantrum and a hissy fit and God is looking at us and he's going, hey, if you would take a leap, not a blind leap, a leap that you know that I am there for you, Because you've studied my word. You know my ways. You understand my son. You've seen me in the testimonies of not only the people in the text, but also the testimonies in the people of your life. It would enable us to face these situations with certainty. Not that we have all the answers, but that we're known by the King of Kings. Because true faith looks for an opportunity to worship. Let me give you just a few application questions this morning. And I want you to think about these in your own life. I can't live your life for you. But when we look at Abel, does our faith lead us to worship? Not just today, not just this morning, okay? Does our faith lead us to worship God Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Does our faith cause us to worship God if the marriage is going well or if the marriage is not going well? Does our faith cause us to worship God if the relationship is going well or it's not going well? If the kids are being good or they're not being good? Oh, Lord, help me. I'm, with, I'm in that boat. If the job is going well or it's not going well. If you're facing um, trials or if you're not facing trials. God is with us in all of those things. Are you worshiping God, whether your life is, feels like it's horrible right now or if it's going really well? Is God pleased with how we use our time, what we watch, what we read, the words that we speak, our plans for the future, our conversations with each other, our text messages that we throw back and forth? Is God really pleased with those things? I mean, truly think about this stuff. This is putting hands and feet on the text in your everyday life. And what about with Enoch? Enoch's faith delivers him from the consequences of death. And his faith was not a one way, but the way to please God in his walk. He turned from his old ways. Let me ask you a question, church. Are you still living like dead men and women? And if so, in what ways? In what ways are we still living like dead men? And still encased and engrossed in our sin? In what ways are we still clinging on to the past and thinking to ourselves that this is something that is good for me (laughs) 
Oh, Lord, this is something I'm putting my faith and my trust in. I, I don't think you understand, God. I need a drink. I don't think you understand, God. I, I, I need this in my life. I don't think you understand, God. I, I, I have to have this in my life. I, I, I need these things. I don't think you understand, God. I have to look at my computer. I, I have to view these images. If I don't, I, my life will just go to, completely away. There's a lie from the devil. Don't believe the lie. Jesus frees you from lies. He gives you the ability to look at lies and say, that's not how I should worship my God. That's not how I should walk with my God. That's not the relationship that I would have. I can't imagine coming home one day and walking through the door and Bethany standing there and my two kids and four women walking after me. Bethany looks at me. She says, Jordan, who are these ladies? I said, Bethany, these are my new wives right here. Look at this. Look at all these lovely women. This one's going to clean your house, and this one's going to, you know, fold our laundry, and this one's going to... And she goes, Jordan, no! (laughs) Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? That's not the way the world works. We don't allow that stuff to come into our house. Go tell them to take a hike. Except for that, she can still clean our house. You see what I'm saying? Why would we bring something into a relationship that we know is going to harm it? Why would we bring something into a relationship that is going to distract from it? But yet we do that with God all the time, don't we? We bring other things into the relationship and we put our faith and trust in it. We think they're going to hold us and sustain us and further our walk with our Savior. When God says, are you crazy? Are you serious? These things are going to destroy you. What things in your life are going to destroy you? And I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, He will convict you in those things. And I also believe that he will break those bonds the more you come to know and grow in your relationship with him. And it will be something, if you are willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that you will worship about in the future. Maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe next year. I believe that it is something that you will worship God for freeing you from. Put your faith and trust in that thing. In Jesus Christ's work. What about Noah? Well, Noah, he's kind of a crazy guy. Noah worked... Noah's work, excuse me, reflects his faith. And what is our work? Stay-at-home dads or stay-at-home moms. Those of you who are in the workplace, what about our work? Does it reflect our faith? I mean, are we telling our coworkers what's going on in our world right now? Hey, man, my marriage is a mess, but let me tell you something. God's in control. He's working and moving, and I just think that is awesome, and, and it's, it, God's going to work this thing out, right? You ever talk to somebody like that? It's exhilarating. Man, let me tell you something. I was reading my word this morning, and this is, what, this is what's going on in my life. And let me tell you something. This is the thing I'm struggling with. And, so, and, and the ways that the world sees us as believers, putting our faith in, in Jesus Christ, who sustains us in all things, loves when we're transparent with them. You want to have peace and joy? Be transparent. Look what he says. Noah's faith is reflected in his work. What about our faith? Do we work to bring honor and glory to God, prepare us for an eternity with our Lord Jesus Christ? I want to read you a story as we close, and then I'm out of your way. A three-year-old felt secure in his father's arms as dad stood in the middle of the pool. But dad, for fun, began wading slowly towards the deep end, gently chanting to his child, Deeper and deeper and deeper. And I got to tell you, when I was reading the story, it sounds like a really good idea. I'm just saying. 
the water rose higher and higher on the child. So obviously he has it in a, he has the child in his arms and they're in the shallow end and the the water's kind of, you know, at, at their waist or whatever. And he's he's going to the deep end, deeper and deeper and deeper, chanting this to his child. The little kid's face is kind of okay at the start, and then all of a sudden they become panicked. And they hold more tightly onto the father, who's easily touching the bottom of the pool. Had the, little bit, had the little boy been able to analyze the situation, he would have realized that there was no reason for increased anxiety. The water's depth in any part of the pool was over his head, but it was not deep enough for the father to stand on his feet. The father would not have been submerged in the water because he could have touched in any area of the pool, but the child didn't know that. Even in the shallowest part, had he not been held up, though, the young boy would have drowned. His safety everywhere in the pool depended upon his dad. So the kid couldn't touch in any area of the pool, but the, but the father can. The kid is safe in the arms of the father, and he understands this, uh, but not to the extent that the father understands it. He just knows he's secure there. At various points in our lives, all of us feel like we're getting out of our depth. Problems are around us, jobs lost, someone dies, our temptation is to panic, and we feel we've lost control. Yet as with the child in the pool, the truth is, we've never been in control over the most valuable things of our life. I don't like that sentence because it's true. We have never been in control of the most valuable things in our lives. But God has. We've always been held up by the grace of God who does not change. God is never out of his depth, and therefore we're safe when we're going deeper. Safe as we always have been. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I don't know what people are facing and experiencing. Sometimes I wish I did as, a, as their pastor. I wish I knew what would calm the troubles of our heart. And I start thinking about it, and I know what calms our heart. And that's knowing that we're placing our faith and trust in you. God, for the people here today who are gathered here, would you help them to put their faith and trust in you? Would you allow them to walk away from themselves and deeper and deeper into a relationship with you? Would you show them, give them evidence to see that it's, it's totally worth it? That even though the road is rough and rocky and there's many hills and valleys and ravines and, and mountain peaks and, and the whole nine yards, God, that it's still worth it. Because you're with us, you never leave us, and you never forsake us. So in our attempts, God, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, would you give us the assurance back that it is worth it? that you are there for us, that you do sustain us? Would you show us, God, even this week, as we work for you, as we walk in a relationship with you, and as we worship you for all the things that you've done and that you will do, 
Will you give us the assurance, God, to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that even though we, not, we don't see you, you love us. Every single person who's gathered here this morning, God, would you show them that this week? Would you give them the ability to know and all the things that they're doing for you, all the work that's being done, whether it's with their kids or, or at the office or whatever that is, all the ways that they're trying to love you and their relationships and their love for one another, all they think, say, and do is they're, they're trying to live obedient with you. God, would you convict them of their sin, of my sin? Would you love them enough to help us turn away from ourselves? Go deeper and deeper into a walk with you. To love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To continually be on the path. To know that your ways are better than our ways. That your will is better than our will. As we test some of our faith, God. As we eliminate some of our vices. As we lay down some of our idols. As we leave our past. We know that it's going to hurt, God. We know that the internal self is going to look at it. We're going to think we're on top of the roof and the building is on fire. But would you help your people here today to have the faith and the trust in you? Restore a right spirit within them. Love them, God. Lead them so that our worship is pure so that our walk is solid, so that our work is done, completed, knowing the victory is yours. May we go out and do that this week. May we walk. May we worship. And may we work for you, living a life in full obedience because of your son Jesus who came and died on the cross for our sins. Because of your son Jesus, whose blood paid the penalty for our sin. That when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that you're King of kings and Lord of lords, you lead us in the right direction. There is no other name besides the name of Jesus. We worship and bow down before him. And we love him because you gave him to us as a sacrifice for our sins. Lead us now, God, as we go out of here. Be with us. We love you so much. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.